Hello, welcome to the Master Books podcast. Today's show is going to be great. So inspiring, thought provoking. I've got Lily Isaacs with us. She is the author of her own autobiography, You Don't Cry Out Loud. And she is the matriarch of the gospel band, The Isaacs, music that I love dearly. And she has got a story that will really inspire your walk with the Lord, inspire your love for the Lord and your confidence in who he is to you. So I'm excited for you to be here on the podcast today. I've got a coupon code for you. You're going to be able to get 20% off of her book when you order it at masterbooks.com. So check out the coupon code in the show notes. All right, let's get started. Welcome to the Master Books Podcast, where we bring you conversations that will strengthen your biblical worldview and the faith of your family. I'm Jennifer White, publicist at Master Books, a division of New Leaf Publishing Group. As host of this show, I'll be opening the doors to the Master Books family library of books, authors, and curriculum. For over 45 years, our company has been about one thing, ink on paper to touch eternity. In a world increasingly at war with God, we are publishing to partner with you to disciple your family, the church, and the nations. Please forgive the occasional typing noise. We apologize for this slight distraction. So as I mentioned, Lily is here with us. Lily, thank you so much for being a part of the Master Books podcast and one of the Master Books authors. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Absolutely. I love knowing that you take your book with you on, on tour, that the book that we publish gets to be a part of you sharing your testimony with the world. I love reading the reviews. And I saw a few this morning before I jumped on this call with you, saw that Rachel talked about your book being emotional and thought provoking. And I believe it was Lacey said it was just emotional and, and inspiring. And one lady talked about how she really didn't like biographies or autobiographies because she remembered them being very dry and when she had to read them in school, but yours is not dry. Yours is so compelling. And I love that you are reading or writing because we also have the audiobook version. You are, and I, that's what I've been listening to. You are sharing from your own diary throughout your life. And it's so exciting to me. It just draws you into your story. So I'd like for you to give us just the tiniest overview of your story that will help the listener of the podcast or those who are watching on YouTube today know a little bit about why your story is something to pay attention to, how it's going to make the mother and the woman of God feel more secure in who she is and confident that God's going to help her. Well, thank you for having me on the show. Um, I have a very unique uh, past, I guess you could say. My parents are Polish Jewish Holocaust survivors, and uh, I was born in Germany after World War II. My parents were imprisoned in concentration camps for a couple mm -hmm. of years, uh, and their families, the majority of them were killed, but mm -hmm. my mother and father survived. Uh, they met after the war in a French army relief camp. They were transported from Poland to Germany uh, when they were in the camps. And they met when they were released in Germany. So they dated, I guess, you know, got married. And I was born in Germany then uh, two years after that. Uh, we came to America when I was two years old. And I grew up in New York City. 
Uh, and at the age of nine, my parents and I became American citizens. So my young life was very interesting. Uh, I went through a lot uh, because my parents were victims of the Holocaust. They suffered in different ways. Sure. Uh, my mother was very vocal about her story, and we learned a lot. But my father was more introverted, and he wouldn't talk about his family or what happened. And he also had a drinking problem, and I, I feel like he had survivor's guilt is what I think it is. And I was too young to really understand all that. But anyway, that was my growing up life. And um, I got married in uh, 1970 to uh, a young man that I met in uh, Greenwich Village, New York, because I had an album out on Columbia Records and we were doing a nightclub there. I was kind of one of those hippies in the late 60s in New York. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, singer, songwriter, and uh, met my husband in a nightclub in Greenwich Village, New York. He was a Kentucky hillbilly whose father was a Pentecostal preacher. And uh, we, you know, they say opposites attract, but yes. uh, this was very interesting. Uh, anyway, so that's where we met. And um, we got married in 1970. We thought, well, you know, I'm Jewish. He's not. We'll just let it be and, you know, move on with our lives. But because mm -hmm. of a death in the family, he had a brother that killed in a car accident about a year after we were married. I wound up in church one night, not okay. meaning to go to church. That's where the funeral was. And I had never uh, been in a church before in my life. I was nervous about it. But again, it was a funeral and it was emotional because of the family loss. Um, and that, that was my first introduction to what church was, basically. Excuse me. That's what that was the introduction to what church was for me, because I'd always gone to synagogue because of the death in the family is uh, eventually uh, when I uh, came to know Yeshua as Messiah. What a, what a story. I mean, there are very few of us who would know someone who had been through the Holocaust and you lived the stories and the aftermath of that in your own life and your own family. So thank you for bringing that piece of history forward to us and helping us see what that cost, what that cost your family. Tell us just a little bit about becoming a Christian and what that might have cost you. Well, um, I've been divorced now for 24 years, in, unfortunately, but I really feel like God had a purpose for Joe and I to meet. Uh, he wasn't a believer at the time. I mean, he was a believer. I, I love to say he was an unsaved believer. Uh, mm. He believed in Jesus, and he, was, he grew up that way, but he wasn't an active Christian at the time. So it didn't matter to me. But we went to the funeral that day, and it was very emotional because of the death. For some reason, some of the family members wanted to get back together again the next night at a different church where his brother used to go just to say goodbye and everybody be together again before they parted to go home. And I really, I really, really, it bothered me. I didn't know what to do. I said, well, I just can't go to church. It's not my thing. I know my parents would be upset. And I really had, I really labored with the thought, but I knew I wouldn't be much of a family member if I was the only one who didn't show up. Mm -hmm. So that night we went to this little country church out in the middle of nowhere in Ohio. And uh, I sat in the very last pew, you know, with my husband and people were sitting around and, you know, it was very emotional because of the death, because mm -hmm. of the loss. And the pastor got up at the end of the service and he said, you know, now we want to do an invitation to prayer. If anybody feels like they need the Lord, we'd like to invite you. And I didn't even know what that meant. You know, sure. I really didn't. But I'm sitting back there in the last seat of the last row with the coat over my head because I knew I was embarrassed. I didn't know what to do. 
And honestly, I don't know how. Everybody got down to pray. And I just got down on my knees. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the words to say. I didn't know how to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins because I didn't know I was a sinner. I didn't know how to say, forgive me. You know, I mean, save me because I didn't know I was lost. Sure. But when I got down on my knees that night, I cried. And I like to say this, that the minute my flesh hit the floor, God already saw my heart. Mm-hmm. And so that was the beginning for me uh, of learning. I started reading the New Testament. And what shocked me was that I found out that Jesus was Jewish, just like me. I didn't yeah. know that. And uh, it fascinated me. The whole story did. So I started diving into the New Testament and reading some of the old, which I never had before. And it was just, you know, it was kind of a rocky beginning for me, <laughs> learning and you know, just battling in my mind with, you know, what am I doing? I'm Jewish. You know, I don't, this is not what I do. And, but the more I dove in, the more I understood that salvation was for all people, including Jews. And so many of the disciples, all the disciples were Jewish. And it was just like, you know, became way more realistic to me. Um, So that's how it all began. Uh, It took time. I can't honestly say I remember the exact time when, you know, I really got connected but that was the beginning of my few months of learning uh, what I needed to be and how I needed to be that. So ultimately, what did choosing Jesus cost you as a wife and a mother and a daughter? Well, I, you know, I, again, I, I learned a lot about just being my Messiah and accepting a lot of the things. Uh, I got saved in a holiness church, which kind of unusual because their rules were very strict and not degrading that but it was just different than anything I'd ever learned in my life you know so I always wanted to follow the rules so to me you know I whatever I was told I needed to do is what I did without questioning it and it was a hard transition for me you know a city kid from New York that grew up as a hippie you know (laughs) but I wanted to learn and I wanted to be a part of the community Uh, and I had a cousin come visit me I might have been in the church maybe six, seven months or something, learning and trying to get just, you know, familiar with everything. And uh, my cousin from New York decided to come visit me. So I said, well, yeah, great. I wanted to take you to this church that I'm going. And he said, what? I said, well, just come on down, you know, and I'll take you. And he went and, you know, it's kind of a mild service and it was good. And, you know, I told him this is what I'm doing and I'm excited about it. Well, I didn't know he would go back home a few days later and tell my parents and everybody in the family that I'd fallen off the deep end and that I belonged to this cult and I was praying to Jesus. And I didn't know he'd do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm working in an office, minding my own business. I had a job. And all of a sudden, my parents called me on the phone, on my job. And both of them were on the phone at the same time and said, you know, we don't approve of what you're doing. Uh, you're the black sheep of the family. Why would you do this to us? Why would you abandon us? And my father said, if I didn't give up this crazy religion, I found that I could never come home again. My mother said I was a black sheep of the family. And it really destroyed me. I mean, I'm sitting there just weeping. I'm sure didn't know what to say. And after we talked for just a few minutes, you know, I just said, okay, this is just, I, didn't, I said, well, I'm sorry you feel that way, but, you know, I just can't give up what I found. It's too real to me, and, you know, I just have to figure it out. Well, because that happened, before then, when I'd go to church, you know, the pastor would call for people to come up and pray. And, you know, I would. And I still had a little trouble calling out the name of Jesus. I prayed mm-hmm. to God, mm-hmm. and I believed, but I still had trouble 
just calling out to Jesus. But when that happened, the very next night I went to church, I ran to the altars. And I raised my hands up and I begged Jesus to touch me. I begged Yeshua Messiah to touch me and give me strength because I'd lost everything. Sure. I lost my family. I lost my parents. And I thought, I'm alone. I was abandoned because I received Yeshua in my heart as my Savior. That experience drew me closer to the Lord. That was mm -hmm. kind of what you'd say my breaking point. Okay. Because Jesus was all I had. He became my father, my mother, my family, my people. And it was really hard. It was really hard. I felt so abandoned. And I didn't see my parents for a year. I'd call home and they'd hang up on me. And the first thing they'd ask me, are you still doing that stuff? And, you know, I just, it was, it was a really, really difficult time. But because of that trial, because of that low point in my life, it drew me closer to God because he's all I had left. Right. And uh, I got pregnant with my son and that kind of broke the ice a little. Then after my son was born, my parents couldn't stay away because he was the first born American child and the first mm -hmm. grandchild. And we didn't talk about a lot of my church going, mm -hmm. but I didn't want to jeopardize the relationship that I finally restored because of my son. But it was difficult. All of mm -hmm. my growing up life when my parents were living, it was difficult. Sure. Well, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about the title of your book. The title is You Don't Cry Out Loud. It's such a compelling story already. Why did you name it that? Because, you know, when we think about crying, we think about weeping and crying out loud. So why why you don't cry out loud? Well, I, I didn't know what to title the book. And I had written, the, it took me seven years to write this first book. Seven mm -hmm. years, because there was so much I needed to just dig into and research and learn. And, you know, my feelings, it was very emotional. Sure. And uh, I had several people help me get through it. It was like therapy almost. And mm -hmm. I actually found my diary by accident while I was writing this book. Wow. <laughs> I knew I, I couldn't finish it. I just didn't have the heart to finish it. But when I found my diary, it was like, aha, that's why you had to wait. And I found all these pages of my emotions growing up and things that happened. And one thing that my mother had said to me that I remembered uh, in my book was when I had asked her about an experience she had in the concentration camp. And it might have been when her brother was shot. He was only 16 and he joined some resistance force and tried to run away and they killed him immediately. And, you know, and I, I think I asked my mom, I said, how'd you do this stuff? How'd you go through this? And she said, well... You cry a lot, but you don't cry out loud. And right. that hit me like a brick. I said, okay, sure. it has to be called. You know, because if you're in a in your prison, if you're in a concentration camp and there's soldiers all around and people, and you just don't show your emotion because the least little thing you do can get you killed. Sure. And so that just, oh, that just grabbed my heart and I had to call the book that. Wow. I'm sure that speaks to a lot of people because in her situation, she is in a vulnerable position. She needs to be like almost like what what some psychologists call a gray rock, just unnoticeable. But exactly. here you are in a prison camp and you're desperately sorrowful, desperately um, afraid and, and maybe hopeless. And so, of course, tears. So this, the emotional strength it takes to weep on the inside, but not on the outside is huge. And I can, I can relate to that just with some of the things that I've been through in my life that I, you know, there are times when you just 
keep going, but on the inside, you're just torn apart. And we have a savior who meets the brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit. He draws near to us in those times. And, and I love throughout the word where we see him do that. And in your book, we see that that's who he is for you. And we can take that truth and the testimony that you have and in the different things that you went through and then learning about what your family went through and just know that even though the world around us may not understand what we're going through and the depths of what's on the inside of us, we have a savior who does. Right. So, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'm so thankful for your story. I'm thankful that you were brave to spend the time to go through it. And I can understand it taking so long to, to write through that. And it, even inside the book, you share some pages from your journal, right? And you read yes. from your journal. I do. I, yes, I had to, you know, because when I found it, I, I mean, I didn't know I could, I didn't, even, I forgot I did it. And mm -hmm. I started my diary when I was 12, 13. And for several years, I wrote daily and my emotions were so raw. So I thought, oh my goodness. And so I just had to share some of those pages in the book because it really grips your heart. You know, you, this kid, you know, all the things I'd gone through with my father being an alcoholic and, you know, just the different aspects of my young life. So mm -hmm. I felt like I needed to share that. It was right. vulnerable to do that. Absolutely. I, I think it made it real. Absolutely. And the enemy of our souls wants to silence us. Right. You know, the enemy of your mother's soul was silencing her in that concentration camp but the lord is so tender and so close to give us the opportunity you through your journal sometimes it's a friend sometimes it's just in prayer even in our own hearts and our heads to the lord so he just makes a way makes a way for us to be known by him and to to know that we are known by him and helped saved in our everyday present situations not just for eternity but also in the struggles that we go through. So you've been through other struggles that many of our listeners are going to be able to relate to. Tell us about some other things that you talk about in the book that you have walked through and that the Lord has carried you through. Well, when I was 35 years old, um, my kids were eight, nine, and 11. And uh, one day a friend of mine came to visit my house. I'd had back surgery. I was born with scoliosis. So I decided mm -hmm. to have a surgery and one day she came to clean my house because I couldn't lift anything yet. And she found a knot on her breast. Uh, and so automatically I just, that night I felt, and I felt the same thing. So lo and behold, uh, found out it was breast, that I had breast cancer. Hers was just a cyst, but God allowed me to find it. Okay. And so within a week, I was back in the hospital again after spending a month in the hospital and home two weeks uh, and had to have breast surgery. Uh, for cancer. I didn't have to have chemo. Uh, my lymph nodes were clear, so I didn't have to have that treatment. That was the most, that was the scariest thing of my life. And I didn't want to leave my children. So I, uh, you know, I went through that as well. Uh, just being a breast cancer survivor now for 38 years, I get to tell my story also. Mm -hmm. And what's amazing is a few years ago, my daughter and son-in-law wrote a beautiful song about my story. And Martina McBride recorded it and made a number one song in country music called I'm Gonna Love You Through It. So Martina started an organization called Breast Cancer Awareness, and uh, they donate to breast cancer research. Uh, and I don't know, just that was a terrifying part of my life as well. How did you experience the Lord and his presence and um, 
this salvation as you walked through that season? Well, I mean, I cried a lot and mm-hmm. my prayer to God was, Lord, don't let me die and not raise my children. I didn't care about anything in my life but my children. I said, Lord, just let me be a mother. I don't care what I have or what I do and let me live. And, you know, I mean, what choice do you have but lean on God? There's nothing to do about it. Medically, I was doing all I could. And it was basically up to God to touch me if he wanted me to live. And somehow I got through it. And in the, in the book, I go through a lot of details of our pastor praying over me and things like that. They'd have to read the book. It's too long to tell. Sure. But, you know, I leaned heavily. All I could do was lean on God because I was doing everything I knew to do to get well. So mm-hmm. my faith had to be all that I had. Right. So here we have friends, um, Lily Isaac, who has a life of some some celebrity. She has been on stage for years. And um, but also so she's got this notoriety. She's got people know who Lily Isaac is, but she's also got this testimony of walking through desolate places walking through the wilderness and finding God, knowing him through it. And I'm just so thankful for her willingness to share her story so that we can see the hand of God in her story and imagine how he will meet us in our own story, in our own trials. And um, I love that even the way God, you know, he brings good things from out of bad things. He's working all things together for our good. And sometimes that doesn't make sense to us, but we can look at your story, look back on your story and see the thread of the Lord, even in a death in your family, your married life, using that to bring you to salvation where, and then you walked through other things that were very difficult, but you had the Lord when you did And if you had not been in that church that night, you would have still been a beautiful Jewish girl who had (laughs) not met the Lord and not had him as your foundation and your saving grace and the one to lean on. So I'm so thankful. And it is inspiring to me. I want to recommend the book to all of you. Check it out at masterbooks.com. As I mentioned before, we have a coupon code for you. It's a time limited. You have one week from the time this airs. And uh, you can use the coupon code that you find in the show notes to get You Don't Cry Out Loud by Lily Isaac. You can get a hard copy of the book. It's a paperback, but also an audio book is available. And I highly recommend it. Lily reads it herself. So that's even more exciting to hear her own voice. So Lily, do you have any advice? I think you're sitting next to our listener today. Do you have any motherly woman of God advice for her? Well, I think being a mother has been the best blessing in my whole life because I have three of the most amazing children ever. Mm-hmm. I have eight beautiful grandchildren. I think the hardest lesson I learned in being a mother is a lot of times when your kids come to you with problems, they're not asking for your advice. They just need a place to vent. Mm-hmm. I learned that the hard way. Sure. And as a mother, sometimes you just got to shut up and listen. If they want to empty their hearts, whether it's good, bad, or whatever, you just have to listen. And then if they ask for your advice, you give it. Right. <laughs> so that's one of the lessons that I've learned. And I think I've learned to be a good listener. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I want to be their confidant. I want mm-hmm. to my family to trust me with anything they have in their hearts. No secrets. Mm-hmm. I don't like secrets. 
And if it's something that I'm supposed to keep to myself, that's what I do. But I adore my family that much. And I'm that way about a friend. You know, if I have a good friend and they tell me something in confidence and they want me to pray about it, I don't go out to the world and start blabbing a bunch of stuff. I'm just not that person. Uh, right. I just don't like that. I mean, even when I went through my divorce 24 years ago, I mean, I lightly touch on it in my second book, but I, it's nobody's business why or how. And I've just been that kind of person. So that's one of the lessons I've learned in being a believer and trusting in God. And everybody has a story of their own and uh, everybody can justify what they've done and what they haven't done. Uh, so I just feel like in my life, I've tried to respect people's privacy mm-hmm. and I've shared a lot of my life because I wanted to. And I sure. want people not to forget about World War II. I want people to forget what it's, not forget what it's like to have your freedoms taken away. We're living in a very testy time right now. And I get, I have a platform. Thank God I have a platform in front of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And I try to tell my story everywhere I go because history has a way of repeating itself. Mm-hmm. And we can't allow that to happen. We have to be vigilant about who we are in our country and be thankful and just stay on top of things and not let things slip up on us that we're not expecting. So that's right. kind of my main reason for continuing my story. Well, and and your story also tells us that as we look to our future, and as you say, this is a testy time, we can't, we don't know what is coming, but we know who has held you through the unknown, what you didn't know was coming. We know whom we believe. We know his power, that his love, power, and sound mind is our gift, and we don't have to fear. And I believe in your story that people will find the truth that they can rely on the Lord, that even though we go through these ups and downs and unknowns can happen, we can rely on the Lord and find him faithful. He is the same God today in your story, in my story, in the listener's story. And that just, that makes us united. You know, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of a family of God. You and I are part of the same family, with the same God. And I did want to say that I've had so many miracles in my life happen. And I share all those in the book too. Okay, miracles great. I would never dreamed that God performed. And I know the Lord is coming back soon. Mm-hmm. I want to be ready. I want to be ready to meet him. I want him to say, uh, well done, my good yes. faithful servant. That's what I want. And yes. that's our heart's desire to do that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, we um, bless, Yeah, we bless you in the name of Jesus. We bless the Isaacs in the name of Jesus and just ask for the Lord to continue to give you favor and the opportunity to share your story. To so many different people who might not ever hear about the Lord, that they would have the same opportunity as you did to learn about their Savior. And I pray that as all of you read Lily's book and any of the other books that we publish, that you take these truths that may not be your own experience, but you can take Lily's testimony into conversation and share what the Lord has done for her as well as yourself. So may the Lord bless you with those opportunities, right words in the right season. Thank you so much for being a part of the Master Books podcast, Lily, and the Master Books family of authors. Thank you all for being a part of our mission, partnering with us, Ink on Paper, to touch eternity. That is exactly what Lily's book is about. And um, we'll just see you next time. Bye-bye. 
Hey, thanks for joining the Masterbooks podcast. This was fun, and we are really glad you were with us. We invite you to check out masterbooks.com. We have a big library of books that will feed the faith of your family. And hey, subscribe to our channel so you won't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.